This is Open to Hope Radio, featuring Dr. Gloria Horsley and her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley, coming to you on behalf of the Open to Hope Foundation, dedicated to those who are looking for hope after loss. Now, here's Dr. Gloria. Welcome to the Open to Hope Show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my co-host, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Or, Heidi, have we decided yet whether we're going to be called the Grief Recovery Doctors? I guess we are, Gloria. That sounds like a plan. <laughs> All right. Next week, we'll introduce ourselves that way and see how people like that. Email us if you don't like it, <laughs> or email us if you like it. All Some right. people don't like the word recovery, and that is why I'm hesitating. All right. Maybe. Some people like it, and some people feel like there is no such thing as re- recovery. It's more of, of, you know, having a new normal in your life. But maybe recovery means having a new normal. I, you know, I don't know. Maybe we'll find the word recovery. Yeah, maybe we'll just have to think about it. Well, you know, it's uh, late in August now, August twenty third, and uh, some places in the United States are back in school. And we know uh, for some people, this is a joy to have their kids back in school. And and school teachers are going back for the folks out there who've lost spouses or whatever. So there is a change getting ready uh, for summer to end, isn't there, Heidi? Absolutely. There is definitely a rhythm, whether you're winding down, like you said, and ending the summer or whether your kids are already in school. There definitely is a different kind of a rhythm. And it brings up a lot of stuff regarding losses in our lives, especially when you have children and siblings that you know, are no longer with you. Yeah, I was thinking of that for siblings, Heidi, people going back to school, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe their sibling is in the same school and they're not there this year, you know, can be really tough. Absolutely. I mean, I know when when Scott said Heather was in ninth grade and Scott was in 11th, well, that, you know, he died in April. The following year, Heather started high school and he wasn't there. Yeah, he, you know, she thought he was going to be there as a senior, and he had died, so he wasn't there. And that was, she said, that was really difficult. Yeah, I remember she said that his friends were, you know, they called her little H. They called him Big H, and um, you know, they were there for her, but sometimes too much there for her. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, to, well, sometimes it could be too much of a reminder. Yeah, and they're all his friends are, you know, and he's not there. But all these cool seniors too, paying maybe a little more attention to you than you can handle, <laughs> could be mm-hmm. tough. So today we have got an important show, and uh, it's on infant loss. Do you want to introduce our guest, Hyde? Sure, I'd love to, because I think this is such an important topic and one that's not talked about enough and one that is often minimized. So Diana will be able to tell us more about that, and I'm glad she's on today. Diana Sunwall is the founder and executive director of Infants Remembered in Silence, which was founded in 1987 following the stillbirth of her son, Derek. She is the author of Sharing the Tears, How Family and Friends Can Help Following the Death of a Child, and another book called Tender Teaching, Incorporating Infants Loss into Child Childbirth Classes. Thank you, Diana. Thank and you welcome. so much for having us on today. It's, it's great to have you on, and I know you've had a flood, and I was just saying to you before the show that your building's been flooded out, and you've been there since, had you been there since you founded it? We've actually been in the building for 17 years, and so you tend to accumulate a lot of things over 17 years. So it's, it's been a challenge for us. Absolutely. Well, tell us about what happened to you that made you decide that there needed to be more support for infant loss. Well, my son was full-term and stillborn in 1985, and I received fantastic care from the hospital staff. But a week after he was delivered and we had buried him, I got a phone call from the head of the OB department. 
Um, I also teach childbirth classes, so I know the staff quite well. And one of the things that the nurses asked me was, did it make it easier or harder for you when you got to see your son? What I didn't know was at the time that most parents only got to see their child for 20 minutes. That's pretty much what hospital Mm -hmm. protocol said everywhere. We got to see Derek for three hours, which was absolutely unheard of. Um, And it was something they weren't sure if it was the right thing to do or if it was the wrong thing to do. That's when I finally got the idea that I got treated a little bit differently than what other people did. And it was something that I wanted to make sure that everyone had the options to see, hold, and touch. What we started out doing was providing the hospital with bereavement support packets. And I figured in our town of Faribault, if we were able to help one person a year, we were doing pretty good. It didn't take long for us to discover that there was more than one child that died a year in our community. And so it kind of, Iris kind of expanded. Um, Now what we do is we provide services. We have an advocate program that we run. We have bereavement support packets. We have clothing that will fit infants from 10 gestational weeks all the way up to full term. There's a lot of different avenues that we take to help the parents create memories for their child. And the number one thing is that the child no longer has to leave the floor until the mom leaves. So frequently we'll see moms keep the baby on the floor with them the whole time they're in the hospital. Oh, my goodness. That's, that's, amazing. that's amazing. That oh, what, a, what a great thing because uh, I happen to be a nurse too and those poor moms, you know, that are in on floors with women with babies and they feel so bad or they move them off into some uh, you know, surgical unit like their pariahs, and what a great right. thing! The nurses are just incredible that we work with. They're so compassionate and caring. We very seldom see a mom now moved off the floor. They, that's where they should be. Those are the women who know how to take care of them. Those nurses are the ones who know how to take care of those moms the way they should be, just on their physical needs, let alone the emotional end of things. Um, the nurses here are absolutely in- incredibly compassionate. I've seen nurses um, go home and bring moms in flowers from their gardens. I've seen them go above and beyond what they ever should have done just just to make the parents feel more comfortable and to be pleased with their stay, knowing it's a very traumatic time, but for them to walk away with a smile and say, hey, you know, we got to do these things, and most people don't get to do them. Now, you're in Minnesota, right? We are. In Minneapolis? We are in 35 minutes south of the Minneapolis area. Mm -hmm. So uh, I want to ask you, I'm listening to the show, and I'm thinking I didn't get to do any of that, and I'm feeling not great today, and what do I do now? Have you got any suggestions of how I can be helped now since, you know, I didn't get to see the baby at the hospital? They may have moved me off the floor. You know, maybe I had a miscarriage at home. You know, what about me sitting out here now feeling lonely? There are lots of things you can do. The first thing is rather than dwelling on what you don't have, dwell on what you do have. Um, Think about the things that that are important to you that you do have. Maybe you got to see your baby. Um, That's something that not everyone gets to do. Maybe someone gave you a wonderful plant or a book or something that's very special for you, a keepsake. Those are wonderful things to have. But there's also ways to create memories for your child, even if you don't physically have them with you right now. You can take part in support group events. You can take part in um, the October 15th events that are going on around the country. You can take part in what are the, What are the October 15th supports? Say it again. I'm sorry. What are the supports going on? You said October 15th. There's something going on? There's, there's people, organizations all across the country doing things on October 15th, which is the, the Pregnancy and Infant Loss Memorial Day. Oh, okay. And now, how do I find out about that? I'm saying, okay. Um, if you go 
just go on to Google, my best friend, and type in, um, you can put in Pregnancy and Infant Loss Memorial Day and then the name of your community, or you can come onto the IRIS website. We usually post everything on there that we know about, different places that things, places and things that things that people have different events going on. There can be anything from memorial candle lighting services to um, meals, picnics. I've heard of balloon releases. I've heard of prayer services. It's just amazing to see what people all across the country do. I would hope that people would, uh, real, we have a new international calendar that we would love to have everybody put their events on in oh, grief and loss. So anybody, and put out the word, anybody who wants to put their events around the world on grief, loss, hope, and healing, we would love to have these events. I love that event, don't you, Heidi? October 15th. Absolutely. I, I had never heard of it. I love it. Um, on some of the tattoo is actually Significant Loss Awareness Month as well. And that's something that's been I around for years. So people, yeah, if you're Diana, not living it, you don't see it. This is frightening because I've had two miscarriages and I, I didn't know about it. And I love that this is including um, miscarriage as well because there are so many women like me who have had miscarriages and never had really that much acknowledgement about it. And it was such a minimized loss that it's had such a big impact on our lives. So I love that this is out there and that you, you all are out there. So important. It's, it's amazing to see the things that are out there. Another great thing to do is to take part in the, um, the Christmas box the holiday services that go on with that. I do believe that's December 7th, and those are any place that there's an angel of hope that people have. They have gatherings that go with that as well, and that's the memory of any child as well. A lot of parents have had an infant loss go to those programs as well. Mm -hmm. Now, what if I'm not a groupie person? What can I do at home for myself? We encourage people to do things that are not everybody wants to go out and do this publicly. We encourage people to do simple things like you can light a candle at home, you can still be taking part in the October 15th event. You can be taking part in the Compassionate Friends um, annual memorial service that they do for anyone who's had a child of any age has died. And, and brief parents second. also. Correct, right, and that's on the second Sunday in December. So we see a lot of people who will get together with maybe family and friends or maybe by themselves and they just simply light a candle. We have people who do things during the holidays such as um, buying an ornament. No one ever knows if that's why they bought that ornament, but the parents do. We have people who, if you're getting together, for example, for a holiday meal, to put a, an arrangement or a candle or something on the holiday table, you don't have to tell anybody what it's for. You know in your heart what it's for. I love that. Well, you know, I noticed that you had a lot of quilts, and I'm thinking I'm out there. Um, I had everything planned for the baby. I had, you know, the little clothes and all the things. We people, I had a shower and all that. And I was thinking about what to do with those things. We have some great ideas for that. This is Iris's 25th anniversary, and so one of the things that we're doing is we're making memorial quilts, and we're encouraging people to take part in our quilt from anybody from anywhere in the world that wants to take part in it can do that. They can make a square in memory of their child. If they go onto our website, they can see that the pattern is. It's very, very simple to do. But we have a lot of people who make quilts just on their own to have for themselves. They may never share them with anyone, or they may take them out to a special event. They're welcome to do that as well. But a lot of people will take those clothes that they got as a shower gift or things that really mean special things to them. Maybe it's a person who gave it to them, or maybe their baby had it on for a while, or maybe the baby died at the hospital and, and they had it there. There's all kinds of reasons why there's an attachment with an outfit. And we asked them to, to actually put them into the quilt. I've seen them where they've had sleepers, where the little toes on the sleepers stick out. I've seen them where they still unbutton and unzip it on the inside. 
they put um, a heart with the child's name and their dates and things. Or like I could that. even put their picture, couldn't I? Absolutely, you could. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, you could. There's there's no end to what things you can do. Just sometimes you have to think outside the box. Yeah, and then I saw you have some teddy bears. We do. We have lots of teddy bears. Teddy bears are very very important to families. We actually had some children that came to us from um, a little community called Morristown, just west of Fairbow. And they, the children saved their pennies from their Lenten services, and they asked us to buy every baby that we worked with a teddy bear because the baby shouldn't go to heaven by themselves. And if they had a teddy bear with mm. them, they wouldn't be afraid. Mm. So anytime we get donations from children, we use that for Bears for Babies program, and it's something where the children that we work with, the babies that we have, they range in different sizes from being a couple inches big to being, you know, the oldest child I've ever worked with was 12 years old. So they have appropriate sized teddy bears to go with each of those children, and they're great for taking pictures and to show their size because you forget very quickly how big they are. And the mm-hmm. pictures that we take are so close up that you can't tell how big that ear is or how big that hand is. But teddy bears help with that. Mm. I'm also thinking, Mom, you could, and, and Diana, you could take your child's um, blanket and, and after they've died, make a teddy bear for yourself out of that. Certainly could. We have some volunteers who do that. It's They're beautiful teddy bears. Mm. Yeah. There's a lot of different um, places around the country that you can do that. You can find lots of those places online as well. You know, one of the things I was really interested in in your site, and I was talking to Heidi about it earlier, is how, you know, after the baby dies or after the miscarriage or what, you know, it just kind of seems to um, end for the family as a discussion. And I love mm-hmm. the fact that you get families together for pancake dinners, it looks like, and all sorts of things yeah. where everybody can come together. And it's, you know, about uh, young babies that have died and stillbirths and miscarriages and that's a whole area of getting together where it just doesn't happen you know and i noticed you play bingo too i love bingo we do play bingo we have a pancake breakfast that we do in the morning and it's attended by probably close to 500 people Uh, then in the afternoon we have bingo and it's um it's quite an event because what we find from the parents is that they have a very difficult time looking at other people who are pregnant or other small children. But if these people come to this event, then it is assumed that they've been affected or know someone who's been affected by an infant death or an early childhood death, and they don't seem to mind that somebody else has a child. It's easier for them that way. So when you come and play bingo, you'll have little kids sitting on the floor with their tractors and their trucks and their little cars playing bingo, and you're stepping over them to sell tickets and everything else. It's quite incredible. The kids have a great time coming to that event, and we have tons of Irish parents who come, and their families. It's, it's amazing to see. That is Great cool. support from the community, great support for each other. Yeah, coming together and having fun, and uh, what a great thing for the, for the family. Well, I, I want to make sure people know about your books, and I want you to talk about that, where they can get them, and, and what would I, um, what's in the books, and what would I want to read. Well, the first one would be um, Tender Teaching, which is designed for childbirth educators. It's something that um, we tend to take a little bit more of a reality check point of view. In teaching a childbirth class, I can tell you that you can have about 10 minutes dedicated to any one subject. And so the book is specifically geared for that, telling you different options, ideas, suggestions on things that you can do that aren't going to take hours and hours to complete. Um, Giving the childbirth educator statistics, how the parents feel, and that's something that we think is very, very important. We can rattle off all kinds of statistics telling you how the parents should feel, but it's better if the parents can tell you themselves. So a lot of the books that we create are related to parents telling you what they think, how they feel, and why they feel that way. The other book is um, is for family and friends, telling them how they can help the families. 
uh, called Through the Tears, and it's really it's really geared at explaining to the family and all the friends how the parents really feel. We frequently have people who have made comments that I had no idea that they would feel that way, or I wish I would have had that book that I could have given to my family. And that's a very very common thing that we hear from oh, from the grandparents and the aunts and uncles is that. They've experienced the same thing, but the support wasn't there for them when they lost their child, and now they have this book, and it's just a huge help for them. Wow, it sounds like a great book for everyone to have in their library. How do I get it? Is it on Amazon, or where where do I get Uh, it? Nope. We try and keep our cost factor down on everything, so everything is available through our website. That's irisremembers.org. So irisremembers.org, because there are a few other Iris things on there. So Iris Remembers, it's important that you get that remembers on it. And, uh, right, or they can just Google, if they want to Google Infants Remembered in Silence, they'll find it very quickly. Okay, okay, and Infants Remembered in Silence. Okay, wonderful, sure. wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. I love everything you're doing. I, w- I wish you were going, don't you wish you was going all over the world telling people about this, Heidi? That's exactly what I'm thinking, Diana. This This program that you have got implemented needs to be in every single hospital in the world, and especially it in does. this country, at the very minimum. It does, and that's what we're trying. We are having a training conference with our flood. We had to postpone that, but if people, again, go onto the website, they can learn when the new training is going to be. Um, we're trying to explain to people all across the country how to do it. We get phone calls from all around the world, people wanting to know how we got onto the floor, what types of things that we did with the family, and wanting to know why we're not there to help their loved one, and it's very, very difficult to say, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not in Georgia, I'm not in Texas, I'm not in you know, California. It's too hard for us to get everywhere. We need to have the people come and learn how to do it. And that's one thing about the training conference is that it's going to be hands-on. You will learn exactly how to do it and how to provide the services to help the families. Now, let me say this. Families that are out there really want to make a difference. And they there are many women out there who want to do something to honor their loved one. And maybe they're a little further down the road. And they, you know, um, they are now at the point, maybe after a year or two, where they want to reach out and help. And I'm thinking, wow, they could get information from you and take it into their community. They definitely can. That's what we want them to do. It's, it's one thing if it's nursing staff that comes in and helps you, and we absolutely love the nurses. They do an incredible job. They do the best that they can, but they're very much overworked, and their paperwork is horrendous. We like to have parents who have been there. When we go in, and it's called being an advocate. And when we go in and make an advocate call with the family, the first question that almost every single mom asks me is, have you had a baby die? And I've watched as some of our other volunteers have come with and they've said no, and the parents just shut them down. The second I say, yes, my son was stillborn, they, they completely change. They ask you all kinds of questions. They'll answer your questions that the medical staff needs to have answered, completely different as to what they will to them. A common one is, do you want to have clergy come in and do a blessing for your baby? Um, they'll tell the nursing staff no. They'll tell the doctors no. But if I ask them, yeah, I do. But I was afraid to say anything to them for fear they think I was crazy. Right. And so, the is more than willing to come, but they, are, they don't know about it if you don't tell them. Right. So if you're out there and this story all sounds familiar to you and you're ready to move out into some advocacy, here is a wonderful opportunity for you to move out and help other people with what you've learned in your story and to get training on how to go out and do that. I love it, don't you, Hyde? Absolutely. I think this is amazing. Well, listen, thank you so much for being on the show today, and keep up the good work. And uh, I hope that you'll think about writing for the Open to Hope Foundation 
If you're interested, well, uh, to, to everyone, I'll say out there, if you like to write and you have a message you want to give out on grief, loss, hope, and healing, all you have to do is go to Write For Us on the Open to Hope website, and uh, uh, there's a form to fill out, and we have a wonderful executive editor, Neil Chethek, who will work with you. Uh, we have over 350 people who are writing for us right now who give their work uh, to help and honor everyone who is looking for uh, hope and healing after a loss. That's a great idea. Yeah. So uh, thanks a lot for being on the show, and hopefully we'll run into you at uh, Compassionate Friends. Maybe in, are you going to Costa Mesa? No, I'm not going to be able to go this year. Oh, maybe I'll make it in Boston to the year after. Hope so. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, good luck with your move and everything and getting all your records dry. I guess they're dry by now, right? Uh, they're dry. And what isn't dry has been thrown out, so we're getting there. Yeah. Oh, good. Good. Take care. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, Heidi, oh, gosh, isn't that wonderful what she's doing? That, pro- that program is really, really incredible and changing lives. And like I said, I'd love to see it all over the country. I would too. Um, one thing that Diana said on her website, which I loved, is she has a quote that says, Grief is not about forgetting, it's about remembering. Mm-hmm. And I think that is so true, and she is really helping those families remember through all the things she's doing. Right, and all that group of volunteers she's got. We None of us yeah. could do it without all of you out there, by the way. I mean, uh, if, together we can change the world, and, and we're working on doing that, and we hope, if you've lost hope right now, that you'll lean on ours until you find your own. And please stay tuned again next week when to listen to more Open to Hope. You've been listening to Open to Hope Radio, hosted by Drs. Gloria and Heidi Horsley. Like today's edition, all of our past programs are available on demand at opentohope.com, along with helpful articles, videos, resources, and links to help get you through the toughest time of your life. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and sign up for our monthly newsletter. Again, that's opentohope.com. Check it out today. Then be sure to stop by next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time when we'll be posting another edition of Open to Hope Radio. Remember, others have been where you are. They made it through, and you can too, as long as you're open to hope.